Campfire Classics is a classic literature podcast. However, your hosts will occasionally use not-so-classy language and immature humor to describe very mature situations. As such, listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler. Welcome back to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your show. We're back in the saddle again. Back where a friend is a friend. You're my friend. I don't remember how the rest of that song goes. I don't know that song. I mean, I've heard it. I just definitely don't know that song. Old old cowboy tune that felt appropriate. Yeah. Given. Given. uh, So, ladies and gentlemen. Um, welcome back, Heather. What's up? Sorry, I'm taking a giant drink of my giant drink because <laughs> I am not back as in on land, but Ken happens to be visiting me. So you may have noticed we missed our very first episode ever since since we launched August of 2020 uh, last week. But that was uh, for a very good reason. And that's because Ken was traveling to join me on the cruise. Yeah. So we're actually recording this episode in my stateroom on the Norwegian Joy. On the 14th floor. Cruise ship. Um, We're staring at the ocean. Uh, It's very, very wavy today. If you hear some weird noises, it's because the boat is a rocket. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been um, not the smoothest. I mean, it's it's actually been largely very smooth, which until has been nice night. until last night when. Whoo. Well, I think we hit. Uh, so we've been in the Caribbean. So just catching everyone up on me. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, I tried. I tried to give updates for a <gasps> while, and then I just realized, you know what? Heather will be able to give everyone a big I'm update. I'm gonna be able to do my back. own podcast called "How Heather <laughs> Survived the Norwegian Joy." Uh, 2021-2022 contract. Oh, yeah. Um, but to keep things simple, uh, it's been a roller coaster. Uh, there have been shutdowns, isolations, COVID cases. There's been happiness and beaches and beverages. I mean, it's been all over the place. But uh, we're in the we're finishing our final cruise after five months of doing the Caribbean or Caribbean, depending on your choices. Um, that it depends on if you're a pirate or just really you're, just a run of the mill drunk, or if you just like rum. Like yeah. if you're a pirate who likes rum, then it's, it's the Caribbean. Caribbean. If you're just someone who likes rum, it's the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, so are you Johnny Depp <laughs> or Jimmy Buffett? There you go. That, ooh, I would love to watch those two do something together. Anything together. <laughs> Actually, they both sing. That would be an interesting compilation. But yeah, so next week. I want to so- see them sword fight. <laughs> Johnny Depp actually's brought he's actually Johnny, Johnny he's gotten good. quite good. I mean, he's good at stage combat. I don't yeah. know if he can actually just spar, but like after filming all those movies, I'm sure he can do a decent job. At, at least he knows which end to hold. The, the pointy end goes in the other person yep. kind of situation. Yeah. But yeah, so we're good finishing five months of the Caribbean and Ken's on the last one. So we just left uh Cozumel, Mexico yesterday, and we're on our way back to Miami. And then we are uh, relocating, and I'll be sailing out of start spread in the news. I'm coming back this week <laughs> to New York. NYC. Yes, and Ken just actually, we just literally an hour ago finished um, my Broadway cabaret, which he gets to see twice on the on the um, thing where I sing lots of lots of musical theater. <laughs> lots of 80s show tunes. Yeah, I get a little uh, Don't Cry For Me Argentina, a little uh, Suddenly Seymour, a little NYC from Annie. Um, it's eight, giving a shout out to um, the eight people in that cabaret whether they'll listen to this or not. Um, they've just been a pleasure. And um, Eric and Angie, who helped set it, we created this show from nothing. Like literally, literally when we got to Tampa, it did not exist. And we just kind of put it together with these amazingly talented, very versatile um, musicians and, and, and performers. And uh, I'm super proud of it. Like Footloose is fun. And like, that's the big show I'm here to do. But I do way more in Broadway Cabaret and it's like kind of our baby. Like it's ours. Um, and people love it. Like today there were so many kids, like from like, I would say like from about like eight until like up through high school that were just obsessed with, they were just like leaning in and smiling and it gives me hope for humanity. While I was waiting in line to, to get into the show this afternoon, um, I was, uh, I was in the front of the line with Lewis. It was the two of us sitting there. Shout out to Lewis, by the way. If Lewis, you're, Lewis, you should listen to this. Lewis. <laughs> he's, like, he's like our super fan. He also is like a Latitudes, like 
gold, bronze, I don't know what, the highest you can be. So his basically his retirement is he cruises. So, uh, but so he, he and I were sitting, waiting, waiting for the doors to open to get in. And behind us walks this family with two little girls, little, little girls. And, um, like, like eight, maybe something like that. And the, the, um, they were asking what the show is and we sort of did a rough explanation of it and uh, he said something like you actually probably don't know any of these songs because they would have all been on Broadway and then off Broadway before you were even born and she said yes but I really like music from the 80s and 90s I don't think anything being written today is any good and there's no point in listening to any music that's written since 2015 because it's just terrible oh Oh my god this girl is amazing oh my god first of all parents doing a good job clearly they are raising her on some kick-ass music and also what a like amazingly opinionated awesome woman <laughs> little 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 young lady also bold statement to say nothing worthwhile has been but, written since 2015 I would, I would absolutely disagree, disagree with that but but um i i, I think i know the tape the family you were talking to because they definitely were there and yeah. they, the little girls were loving it so <laughs> so yeah, um, I'm here, and so we were hoping we'd find a, a time to do a recording, because I, uh, shout out to Emily for being like our fucking VIP, I mean, yeah. straight up VIP, like stand in, um, we're gonna have to like take her out for a nice dinner, but she's off to Creed. Yeah. Um, she got a congrats big summer to her, her because I've worked there and I love Creed, so I'm like super jealous of like the time <laughs> she's gonna get to spend with all the people up there and in that beautiful environment. So, yeah, go get it, Emily, and uh, thank you for being our uh, our official third host. Well, <laughs> she like- fell into into step very quickly, and and it became clear like she's got a background in English and lit yeah. and all of that, and it just it made sense. Well, it also is fun. My mom. This is funny. My mom, like, the first couple times she hosted um, with you, she's like, you guys have very similar voices, actually. And, like, even your laughs occasionally sound the same. And my mom, my mother, who knows me, you know, arguably better than anyone else in the world, is like... (laughs) was like i was getting a little confused in my brain <laughs> like, it's like is that no i can't be heather i know i know that's not heather it's she had introduced herself as emily but sometimes she's like it kind of sounds you just, like you you just forget if you're not listening <laughs> yeah, too close so yeah. so she's a great little step in one day yeah. we'll like pretend to be each other and see if anyone can tell <laughs> if anyone writes in and goes well, <laughs> we'll we'll have the two of you host together and just no one will ever know who's, who's talking, talking. <laughs> that, that happened a little bit the the episode that craig came in and, oh yeah because you guys have such similar have speech patterns yeah. fairly similar voices yeah absolutely brothers and whatnot but yeah i'm excited to uh this is his last night on the cruise so we're gonna record this and then we're gonna go out and do a nice wine tasting and have a really fancy dinner at uh, one, the Italian place on board. Um, so we're going to eat some Italian food on a boat. And uh, But first, we're going to record this episode. And Ken has Ken came prepared. Oh, I, I like, sure did. I literally said, I would love to, but I'm like, I don't have internet. Like, that's been the whole issue of why we haven't been recording is my internet's just not strong enough to, like, do anything, <laughs> like, unless we're in port. So, uh, but he came prepared. With yep. all the fun facts and has already downloaded the story, so we are ready to go. I, I came to play. Yeah, we. I mean, we've definitely played. We've uh, we've been to four different ports. Oh yeah. We saw monkeys on Mayan ruins. Oh, we, they were climbing all over that damn thing. It was so cool. It was very Indiana Jones. <laughs> uh, we had a beautiful beach day in Belize where we just chilled on the beach and. Uh, Cosmo, we had a couple of really amazing Mexican meals. We had some amazing tacos, some amazing breakfast. And uh, in Roatan, we um, held sloths. Yeah. And wow. Yeah. And went snorkeling on this beautiful reef right off the beach and on the West Bay. And so, yeah, I mean, we've played. We have, it's been a trip. We have played. I've done four shows and, or five shows because, yeah, yeah, we had three Footloose. And, uh, now it's time to record an episode. Now it's time to record a podcast because, dear listener, in case this is your first episode, and if we're doing our job right, every episode is somebody's first episode. And this, it's my first episode in a really long time, <laughs> so remind me. Uh, this is not a Let's Check In With Heather podcast <laughs> as much as we would all love it to be. This is, in fact, a literature podcast where every week one of your hosts cold reads a short story that they have never seen before. We pull our stories out of the public domain because that's 
a really way to avoid getting sued by authors. We don't have enough money to get sued. Yeah, no, it's a terrible <laughs> business model. Uh, and well, please send us money if you want to. Yeah, if, if, if you want to, you can find us on um, all of the social media and on Patreon, yeah, and just, we'll tell you how you can give us money. Just send us money. <laughs> or I'll send you uh, an address where you can just send a wad of cash. That's cool, too. <laughs> Um, so, this week I have chosen a story that Heather is going to read sight unseen. She is going to improv be improvising voices and dialects and whatever else the story may throw at her. I don't know much better than she does what it's going to be. Um, and we'll probably laugh at some accidental penis jokes along the way. I'm sure we will. And it's also been almost, well, I, we did a few in Tampa, so it's probably, it's been about five months it's been since a while, I yeah. did this. So, we it's gonna be fun. So it's gonna be fun to get back in the saddle. But first, uh, I'm gonna read just a few little fun facts uh, this week about the author to give y'all a little bit of context about what you will be hearing. Yeah. Richard Le Gallienne was a British author do I have to and do a poet. French dialect? He's English. Good. He's British. He just adopted a French name. It's like rude. Um, he was born Richard Thomas Gallion in Liverpool. Okay. His family was middle class. In 1883, his father took him to a lecture by Oscar Wilde. Okay. He soon quit his job and became a professional writer with ambitions of becoming a great poet. See, that's the danger of taking kids to see good <laughs> art because then they're like, I want to be an artist. Don't. Like half those kids today. <laughs> don't take your children to see theater unless you are ready for them. <laughs> To become actors. Oh, no. Oh, Lord. <laughs> They're going to find it anyway. <laughs> uh, so, Le Gallienne's book, My Lady's Sonnets, appeared in 1887. He wrote professionally from there on out, but his career as a writer is not really the most interesting thing about his biography, so okay. I'm not going to talk about his writing much. It's boring, because we're going to get to read that anyway. In the summer of 1888, he actually got to meet Wilde, his uh -oh. idol and inspiration, okay. and the two had an affair. I was going to say, they're going <laughs> to do it. They're going to do it. Le Gallienne and Wilde continued an intimate correspondence well after the physical affair ended. This Damn. was especially scandalous because Le Gallienne got married to a woman named Mildred Lee two years before he met Oscar Wilde. Sometimes you just gotta have a little boom boom on the side, yeah. especially if you like the penis and you got a and you married yeah, a vagina. Know. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Um, <laughs> so this this is sort of a sign of trouble to come. Okay. <laughs> so Mildred died. Well, of course, some context. This is when homosexuality was quite literally illegal. Oh yeah, it was a crime. So crime, crime, crime. Um, so Mildred died giving birth to their second daughter, Maria, leaving behind Richard and their first daughter, Hesper Joyce. After Mildred's death, he carried with him at all times an urn containing Mildred's ashes. Ew. I mean, cute, but ew. Like <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Um, Rupert Brooke, who is a, a poet, another poet and author, wrote a short poem called For Mildred's Urn, satirizing and making fun of his habit of carrying around his wife's ashes, which I get, but that also seems kind of also kind of a dick move, man. <laughs> like, I know now they like, do. The dude's grieving. Come on. I know now, like, people will, like, that have been, have loved ones cremated, they can uh, actually have the, like, ashes turned into, like, diamonds or, like, some sort of, like... Or, or put into a necklace it, or, yeah. Like, yeah, so it's a way to carry them with you in not a way that you're carrying around a giant vase. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> I, I assume that this was not like the 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 mantelpiece size urn that he was carrying with him at all times. I, I assume know. it was some like the size a, of a Starbucks coffee cup. Some guy wrote a poem satirizing how ridiculous he was. So yeah, maybe. I'm just imagining one of those giant ones. It's like <laughs> gold plated and he's just carrying it around like a little baby. He's got it on a chain around his neck <laughs> and it just swings. Oh, no. So it's like Angelina Jolie and her brother with their vials, with their of, blood vials of blood between them. Was that her brother or was that her and um, that was her brother. Oh, Billy Bob Thornton? That was Billy Bob Thornton. She made out with her brother. Um, it was... <laughs> Oh, that's right. What was what was the scandal between Angelina I, Jolie and her I brother? I don't remember. I, know there was a thing. I don't know, but I know that yeah, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> uh, anyway, he continued to carry this urn with his dead ex-wife while married to his second wife, Danish journalist Julie Noregard. Awkward. <laughs> 
Uh, she became stepmother to his daughter, Hesper, and they had another daughter, Eva, who became a famous actress, performed on Broadway regularly, including a play about Emily Dickinson called Allison's House, which won a Pulitzer. Oh, damn. Yep. Uh, she was also nominated for a Best... Fuck. She was also nominated for a Best Supporting Actress Oscar in 1980 for the movie Resurrection. Wait, what's her name? Uh, Eva Le Gallienne. Oh, shit. That's crazy. Yeah. Cool. Uh, in 1903, Norigard left Richard, his second wife left him, taking both of Wait. his daughters to live in Paris. What year was this? Sorry. 1903. 1903, okay. Yep. Uh, Norigard later sent Hesper to live with her paternal grandparents in an affluent part of London, and Eva remained with her mother. Okay. Julie later cited his inability to provide a stable home or pay his debts, alcoholism, and womanizing as grounds for divorce. Ironically, womanizing. Even Given, he, well, he was probably playing all sides of the field. Well, I, it sounds like he was very much a bisexual yeah. or like pansexual or what, you know. Just right. looking for whatever he could he get. Just, he just enjoyed the, the loving. Yeah. Uh, their daughter, Ava, would grow up to take on some of her father's more negative traits, oh, including no. womanizing. She was never secretive about being a lesbian, and she broke up at least one marriage because of it. Get it, Ava! <laughs> and she's nominated for an Academy Award. I love it. Uh, and, and apparently she was a very heavy drinker, just like her father. All right. Uh, like Oscar Wilde. <laughs> like Oscar Wilde. Uh, Le Gallien moved to America, and four months after his divorce to Norigard was finalized, he married Mrs. Irma Perry, whose previous marriage to her first cousin had been Ew. dissolved in 1904. Le Gallien and Irma had known each other for years, and Irma's daughter, Gwendolyn, called herself Gwen Le Gallien. If she was actually his daughter, this is another major scandal because oh. she was born in 1898, just one year into his previous marriage. Okay, I thought, I thought <laughs> you were going to say he, then they started dating or something. No, 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 no. Like, ew, ew, ew. <laughs> okay. No, just no. If, if she's actually, so she took on his name and treated him like father. If he's actually her father, which is possible, she was born a year into his marriage to his previous I'm wife. I'm going to guess... That was her daddy. <laughs> um, so the family moved to France, uh, but their town was occupied by the Germans during World War II, and they were forced to leave. During this time, Le Gallien struggled financially, so much so that he was seen collapsing in the street from hunger because he refused to write propaganda for the local Italian and German occupiers. Damn right. Yep. Uh, asked how to say his name, he told the Literary Digest the stress was on the last syllable, Le Gallienne. As a rule, I hear it pronounced as if it were spelled Gallien, which, of course, is wrong. Mm -hmm. Le Gallienne. Uh, he died in 1947 at 81 years old. Okay. And this week, you will be reading a ghost story Yay! he wrote and had published in Harper's Magazine in 1912 called... The Haunted Orchard. Ooh, yay, I love ghost stories. Let's start this fire. Let's start it. Code Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very inside That's cruise dumb. joke. Sorry. <laughs> the Haunted Orchard by Richard Le Gallienne. Mm -hmm. Spring was once more in the world. As she sang to herself in the faraway woodlands, her voice reached even the ears of the city, weary with the long winter. That's accurate. Yep. So, like, I've been living in the Caribbean, but uh, I know for a fact it snowed in the Midwest, like, yesterday. <laughs> I'm in, in my head, it talked about uh, the weather singing, and I'm here, I'm, I'm in my head, I'm singing. And there's a little bull with a tutu dancing in the flowers. A, a bull? Bull. Oh, a bull. Like, as in like a bull? Like a bull. Like a bull. Like a, like a male cow. Like a bull. Why in a tutu, a tutu dancing, in, dancing in the flower. Don't, don't judge the associations <laughs> okay, my brain makes. Bull, all right. That's not the animal I would have gone to a with a tutu, but I'm into bull it. Bull named Fernando. Okay, well there you go. Okay. I, I think that's that's a it's that's a actually a cartoon. Yeah. Um, and wearing a tutu and dancing in a field of flowers. I'm sure. I don't know. Ignore me. It I'll happens. cut all this out. Whatever. <laughs> uh, long winter. 
Daffodils flowered at the entrances to the subway. Furniture removing vans blocked the side streets. Children clustered like blossoms on the doorsteps. The open cars were running and the cry of the cash clow man was once more heard in the land. Cash clow? Who's the cash clow? It's just cash uh, and then a separate word is C-L-O. Cash clow. I don't know. Hey, listener. This is going to be a weird episode because ordinarily I would just look, look up that up, but I don't have internet. <laughs> so, hey, mom, uh, I know you're listening. Y- you want to tell us what cash clow means? <laughs> Maybe we'll get some context. Let's find out. It sounds like they're in New York City, though. Sounds like. Very New York City because the subway and, yeah, you know, all that. New York or, well, and he calls it subway, not the tube. So yeah. I assume not London. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yes, it was the spring, and the city dreamed wistfully of lilacs and the dewy piping of birds in gnarled old apple trees, of dogwood lighting up with sudden silver the thickening woods, of water plants unfolding their glossy scrolls in pools of morning freshness. Oh, it's so lovely. It is. On Sunday mornings, the outbound trains were thronged with eager pilgrims, hastening out of the city to behold once more the ancient marvel of the spring. And on Sunday evenings, the railway termini were a flower with banners of blossom from rifled woodland and orchard carried in the hands of the returning pilgrims, whose eyes still shone with the spring magic, in whose ears still sang the fairy music. Aww, this is so such a beautiful New York. It's lovely, but all I can picture now is contemporary New York City with a bunch of pilgrims like from the Mayflower in their funny hats with the buckles just like, wandering around the city. Smiling. Getting on and off the trains and singing songs to fairies. And being really creepy. Everyone <laughs> like the modern day New Yorkers are like, the fuck are What's these people? What's <laughs> You don't look Amish, like, but... We kind of miss the tourism, but <laughs> this was not what we were looking for. <laughs> and as I beheld these signs of the vernal equinox, I knew that I, too, must follow the music, forsake a while the beautiful siren we call the city, and in the green silences meet once more my sweetheart, solitude. Yeah, sometimes you got to get out. Yeah. As the train drew out of the Grand Central, I hummed to myself, I've a neater, sweeter maiden in a greener, cleaner land. I just made that That's song up. That's a country song. <laughs> Apparently. That is a country song. I don't song. even know where that came from, but. I like um, it. I've a neater, sweeter maiden in a greener, cleaner land. And so I said goodbye to the city and went forth with beating heart to meet the spring. I had been told of an almost forgotten corner of the south coast of Connecticut. Funny, you just left there. Just left there. Uh, Where the spring and I could live in an inviolate... Inviolate? Inviolate. Inviolate loneliness? Yeah, as in um, uh, could could be the uh, inviolate loneliness. Um, loneliness that is not violated. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like, inviolate, unviolated. Okay, so yeah. just a double, double, double meaning of they won't bother you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they will not viol- violate your uh, hermitage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a fancy way of someone, no one's coming around there. Yeah. A place uninhabited, saved by birds and blossoms, woods and thick grass, and an occasional silent farmer, and pervaded by the breath and shimmer of the sound. Nor had rumor lied, for when the train set me down at my destination, I stepped out into the most wonderful green hush, a leafy Sabbath silence through which the very train, as it went farther on its way, seemed to steal as noiselessly as possible for fear of breaking the spell. So this is like, I can, this is kind of like where we went like in Minnesota, way up in the middle of nowhere, where you just really don't, if you hear something, it's like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. After a winter in the town, to be dropped thus suddenly into this intense quiet of the countryside makes an almost ghostly impression upon one, Hmm. foreshadowing, as of an (laughs) enchanted silence, a silence that listens and watches but never speaks, finger on lip. There is a spectral quality about everything upon which the eye falls, the woods, like great green clouds, the wayside flowers, the still farmhouses half lost in orchard bloom, all seem to exist in a dream. 
everything is so still, everything's so supernaturally green. Nothing moves or talks except the gentle sur... Susurrus? Susurrus? S-U-S-U-R-R-U-S. I'm guessing... Uh, like the, it, I'm guessing it means like the breeze or the wind because it's going to say the gentle susurrus of the spring wind swaying. So that's what I think it is. Yeah. The gentle susurrus of the spring wind swaying the young buds high up in the quiet sky or a bird now and again or a little brook singing softly to itself among the crowding rushes. Though, from the houses, one notes here and there, there are evidently human inhabitants on this green silence. None are to be seen. <laughs> I have often wondered where the country folk hide themselves. As I have walked hour after hour past farm and croft and lonely dooryards and never caught sight of a human face. That's the point of the hiding, mm -hmm. dude. If you should want to ask the way, a farmer is as shy as a squirrel. And if you knock at a farmhouse door, all is silent as a rabbit warren. <laughs> as I walked along in the enchanted stillness, I came at length to a quaint old farmhouse. Old colonial in its architecture, <laughs> embowed with white lilacs and surrounded by an orchard of ancient apple trees which cast a rich shade on the deep spring grass. The orchard had the impressiveness of those old religious groves dedicated to the strange worship of sylvan gods. Gods yeah. to be found now only in Horus or Catullus, and in the hearts of young poets to whom the beautiful antique Latin is still dear. Love that. Wow. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I know that the Sylvan gods is like the, the gods yeah. of the woods. Yeah. The, yeah. the fairy gods. The fairies. The old house seemed already the abode of solitude. As I lifted the latch of the white gate and walked across the forgotten grass and up to the veranda already festooned with wisteria and looked into the window, I saw Solitude sitting by an old piano on which no composer later than Bach had ever been played. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Solitude is, every time it said Solitude, it's capitalized. Like Solitude is a character. It, it, he very much seems to be addressing Solitude and peace and yeah. like all of it's, these ideas of quiet and alone yeah. as um, as beings, as entities. Yeah. Solitude is always um, capitalized. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> Which kind of makes sense for someone coming from New York, yeah. where like the big bustling city where the idea of being alone is actually kind of a foreign concept. It's foreign and it's kind of unnerving. In other words, the house was empty. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for simplifying, Richard. There you go. After all the beautiful uh, alliteration and... Uh, uh, a very poetic uh, way of painting this area. The house in is other empty. Words, the house oh, is empty. Right. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Dick. It's empty and quiet. The house was empty, and going round to the back, where old barns and stables leaned together as if falling asleep, I found a broken pane, and so climbed in and walked through... Wait, what? Oh, he just went into a random house? Went into an... Em oh. Wait, I thought That's this was the house he was going to stay in. No, he went through a broken window. <laughs> Oh, is he on a walk? He's just on a walk and sees and this sees empty, this ass empty house, house and, and like decides to go for a hey, little. That, that window's broken. That's an invitation to trespass. I'm gonna go in here. Oh, <laughs> well, see, that's how that's how you get haunted. <laughs> that's you just fucking like we're like, mm, this looks fun. Yeah, I was like, wait, what? Or did you forget to do your Airbnb rental and you just like, decided <laughs> to find one? Like, I found a broken pane and so climbed in and walked through the echoing rooms. The house was very lonely. Evidently, no one had lived in it for a long time, yet it was all ready for some occupant for whom it seemed to be waiting. That's creepy. <laughs> so I moved in. Quaint old four-poster bedstands stood in three rooms. Dimit dimity? Dimity curtains? I mean, they're like the the... Blackout curtains. 
I'm guessing. Some kind of curtain. Dimity curtains and spotless linen, old oak chests and mahogany presses, and opening drawers in Chippendale sideboards. Brown chicka wow wow Chippendale time get it on. <laughs> I always find it funny that the Chippendale is a very very famous like expensive furniture brand, but it's also the name of the like. 80s strippers in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the reason the strippers in Vegas are named that is because the 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 original founders of Chippendales Furniture were incredibly attractive men who did all of their work naked. I don't believe that. You can Google it. No, I can't. I don't have internet. (laughs) Dear listener, you can Google it. I mean... Google might not know because it's one of those rare historical tidbits. That Ken that, only knows. That, it was um, like a you secret. You really, you really have to do some digging to find this out. But it's, it's no, it's, it's a hundred percent true. <laughs> Chippendales furniture is made by incredibly attractive, mostly naked men. Damn. Well, no wonder it's so expensive. And if you have a piece, you, you, you know it's genuine Chippendales. If you have a piece, you can break it into to parts, and inside there are pictures of the the naked men who uh, who built your furniture. But you really have to break it into tiny little pieces before you can be sure. And then it's no longer furniture; it's just wood. Hey, I'm I'm not I'm not making a recommendation one way or another. I'm just I'm just telling how you can identify. I think you should just get on the internet and look up porn if you want pictures of naked men. Like, don't break <laughs> don't break your furniture. That seems like that seems unnecessary. But you know, everyone eats their own. <laughs> this is this is how you can really make a killing on Antiques Roadshow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have not seen this piece of Chippendale in forever. In fact, do you mind if I loosen the backboard? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but you'll have to loosen the backboard in the traditional way. Antiques Roadshow After Dark. <laughs> Gross. There's a market. There's a market. Oh, I'm sure there is. I found this club in my grandma's closet. That's not a club. <laughs> Your grandma's a freak. <laughs> I came upon... (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. Must have seen that Chippendale sideboard. Yep. Uh, (laughs) I came upon beautiful, frail, old silver and exquisite china that set me thinking of a beautiful grandmother of mine. Where the... One of those little happy accidents that we could not plan if we wanted to. Uh, Now I'm thinking about BDSM grandma. Oh, no. I can't. You can't make this shit up, people. Grandma with the phallic billy club. (laughs) A beautiful grandmother of mine made out of old lace and laughing wrinkles and mischievous old blue eyes. There was one little room that particularly interests me, a tiny bedroom all white, and at the window the red roses were already in bud. But what caught my eye with particular sympathy was a small bookcase in which there were some 20 or 30 volumes wearing the same forgotten expression, forgotten and yet cared for, which lay like a kind of memorial charm upon everything in the old house. Yes, everything seemed forgotten, and yet everything curiously even religiously remembered i took out book after book from the shelves once or twice flowers fell from the pages and i caught sight of a delicate handwriting here and there and frail markings it was evidently the little intimate library of a young girl what surprised me most was to find that quite half the books were in french oh no Oh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> this is my silent victory dance. I hate everything. <laughs> See, I knew. I knew. Even though he's not French, it's going to come up because, yeah. <laughs> because I'm just that lucky. Because you're just that good. They were in French. French poets and French romancers. A charming, <laughs> very rare edition of Ronsard. A beautifully printed edition of Alfred de Maison. And a copy of Theodophile Galtier's Mademoiselle de Mimpin. <laughs> oh, I'm um, just having the best day. I, it's going to get way worse before it gets better, y'all. <laughs> just so you know. How did these exotic books come to be here alone in a deserted New Island farmhouse? 
This question was to be answered later in a strange way. Oh, I hope so. Well, <laughs> yeah. It seems like a lot of detail if you're not going to follow up on it, honestly. <laughs> These beautiful books. How did they get here? Where were they from? I was so curious. And then so I, I left laughed. the house and I never went back. <laughs> anyway, I came here to talk to you. Moving on. About Jesus. <laughs> Remember when we saw a group of Mormons at the uh, Honduras uh, <laughs> bar that we were sitting at? <laughs> that was a little weird. We we went to this little little bar like on a beach bar. beach in Honduras. Walked up and uh, went went up and ordered our. I got a passion fruit mojito. You got a margarita. Got a margarita. Turn around and there were there were four men in their little white short sleeve button ups and their ties and took one look and went, this is either four Mormons on their mission or there's like an IT conference going on at this hotel, but then they all had the little name tags yeah. that said, hello, I'm Elder. And I was like, what? This was the last group of people I expect to be, I expected to see sitting at this room. At a room. beachside bar. At a bar. I mean, it had food, I guess, but like still. Yeah. <laughs> but they were just so pasty and buttoned up at this so, beach I know I'm bar. like put on a bathing suit <laughs> like, it was hot it was, just, it, was, it was so hot nothing nothing against Mormons in general no. I think by I mean they're obviously the they're the nicest people I have a there lot are, I have there are terrible are there are terrible people in all religions but by and large I have I have found Mormons to be lovely wonderful people but it was shocking to see and I don't want to talk to you about your lord and savior <laughs> If you ever see me, I don't want to talk about it. Anyway, but you're very nice, and I hope you enjoyed the beach. Because uh, you know they're listening to this podcast, because we never say bad words. And we definitely are not drinking while we record it. Hey, Mormons from the beach, if you're listening, <laughs> and we know you are. Hi. How you doing? How you doing? I'll be beaming this directly into their brains. That's terrifying. It's a new technology I've been working on. Okay. I've been, I've been very busy the last five months. It's been a weird couple <laughs> months. Uh, let's see. All right. Uh, la, 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 la. The question was to be answered later in a strange way. Meanwhile, I had fallen in love with the sad, old, silent place. And as I closed the white gate and was once more on the road. So he did. He said this will be yep. answered later. And then I was like, bye. Later. <laughs> see you. Uh, uh, when I closed the white gate and once more was on the road, I looked about for someone who could tell me whether or not this house of ghosts might be rented for the summer by a comparatively living man. <laughs> I, what, you, um, Rude to assume that there are ghosts. Like, I know there are, there's stuff in there so it holds, like, the spirits of people, but, like, you didn't see no ghost? <laughs> I'm also thinking, like... First of all, I see a house that's kind of creepy and like, oh, this is probably haunted. My first thought isn't, I'm going to pay good money to live there for the whole summer. Maybe I'll pay good money to spend a couple nights there, yeah. but I'm not going to commit to the entire damn summer renting yeah. this place. Second of all, on the off chance it is haunted, I'm not going to rub it in the ghost's face by saying, well, I'm alive. Can I stay here? <laughs> uh-uh. No, I don't want that bad juju on my conscience. No, because those ghosts, they don't want you there. And if they do, then they probably would have already appeared and been like, come with us. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Are they creepy child ghosts? Uh, clearly, come it's a child. Well, it's a little girl's bookcase, and we're going to learn more about why so i'm assuming there's a freaky child ghost there <laughs> come stay here eee. you'll be fine da, 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 da. <laughs> twin twin little girls like in the shine yeah like singing in french it's even scarier <laughs> bonjour <laughs> that's and that's the extent of my french allons-y allons-y <laughs> bonjour comment ça va ew <laughs> Voulez-vous coucher? Yeah, avec no, moi? no, no, no. That's the grandma. He, that's he's into the grandma like that. Voulez-vous coucher? Avec avec moi? Moi? Get the club out of the out of the, the, the closet. <laughs> Fetch le club. What? Oh no. Fetch le club. What club? It's the one over there that looks like a penis. <laughs> Sand it off first. It can hurt if you don't. <laughs> You don't want any splinters. Ow. <laughs> Ancient sex toys. Uh, uh, meanwhile, so he's going to rent this place. Lovely. All right. I was referred to an... 
I was referred to a fine old New England farmhouse shining white through the trees a quarter of a mile away. There I met an ancient couple, a typical New England farmer and his wife. The old man, lean, chin-bearded, with keen gray eyes, flickered occasionally with a shrewd humor, and the old lady with a kindly old face of withered apple type and ruddy. They were evidently preposterous people, but... <laughs> Prosper? No, it's not preposterous. Uh, uh, will will round two give us prosperous? Crazy. It was prosperous. Yes. I like preposterous. <laughs> I do too. These people were preposterous. Well, the description was very like uh, very much the uh, um, what's the the farmer and his wife picture American the, Gothic, the American Gothic, which is from Iowa. Yeah. So like that's immediately what I saw, and I'm like, those are preposterous people. They are preposterous. This guy has a beard though. It's yeah, American it's, Gothic it's with a beard. Yeah, that's very true. It's it's American Gothic posed for by Mr. and Mrs. Claus. There you go. There you go. Except he's skinny. It's it's oh. Mr. It's Mr. Claus after he uh, went on a diet. <laughs> M- Mr. Claus circa July. Oh yeah, yeah. It's he's he's in beach body shape. Yeah, yeah. He's he's <laughs> Mrs. Claus hasn't started the cookie feeding. He's doing yet. hot girl summer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <That's good>. uh, <laughs> he's doing. He, he's been through three rounds of P ninety X and he is looking tight. He's like, I look good. <laughs> he's like, now who's this fucking New Yorker walking into our house? All right. They were evidently... Who knew Santa summered in Connecticut? (laughs) Now, the more you know. They were evidently... They were evidently... They were were evidently evidently prosperous. (laughs) They were evidently prosperous people, but their minds, for some reason I could not at the moment divine, seemed to be divided between their New England desire to drive a hard bargain and their disinclination to let the house at all. Over and over again, they spoke of the loneliness of the place. They feared I would find it very lonely. No one had lived there for a long time and so on. It seemed to me that afterwards I understood their curious hesitation, but at the moment only regarded it as part of the circuitous New England method of bargaining. (laughs) (laughs) I thought they were just trying to to bid me up. that's That's just what they do. They were telling me all these ghost stories, and I was like, oh, well, no. Well, no, that's why I made, want to stay there. <laughs> when you've made the sale, stop selling. You sold me. Stop talking about all the ghosts. Uh, at all events, the rent I offered finally overcame their disinclination, whatever its cause. And so I came into possession for four months, that silent old house with the white lilacs and the drowsy barns and the old piano and the strange orchard and... As the summer came on and the year changed its name from May to June, I used to lie under the apple trees in the afternoons, dreamily reading some old book and through half-sleepy eyelids watching the silken summer of the sound. Don't get me wrong, because realistically, most of what he just described sounds like my ideal way to spend a summer. You've got this little house. It's out on the sound. There's a piano. There's a library. It's quiet. Yeah. People aren't coming around. All right, so there's a window to fix, but I can deal with that. Yeah. Like, most of it sounds cool, but you are heavily implying that this bitch is haunted as fuck. Yeah. And I am not down with that. See, I'm kind of into it. I'm like, that That might that might make me want to go there a little more. But, All right, you know. so we can we can split our interests we'll split and our spend, time. A, spend a summer there. Well, just two months. Four months too long. Four months is too long. <laughs> Though it sounds like it's been about a month and he has not had any ghost experiences yet. So far, so good. So... Knock on wood. June is busting out the ghosts now. (laughs) We're in June now, apparently. All right. All right. I had lived in the old house for about a month. Well, there. (laughs) All right. Yep. Takes a month to get a true haunting going. That's what I've heard. When one afternoon a strange thing happened to me. The ghosts like to take their time to get to know you. They do. I mean, they want to make sure you're worth haunting. Like, you know. Come on. They don't just come out of the fucking afterlife for no one. Well, they also, they don't want to scare you off immediately. They want to give you time to get settled so you're invested. So you're completely, like, not even aware of the possibility. And then it's like, boo. I remember the date well. It was the afternoon of Tuesday, June 13th. I was reading, or rather dipping here and there, in Burton's Anatomy of Melancholy. Oh, that sounds... Chip, a little book. Tim Burton wrote a book called Anatomy of Melancholy? (laughs) 
It sounds dark as hell. Although if you wrote a book. That's what it probably would be called. As I read, I remember that a little unripe apple with a petal or two of blossoms still clinging to it fell upon the old yellow page. Then I suppose I must have fallen into a dream, though it seemed to me that both my eyes and ears were wide open, for I suddenly became aware of a beautiful young voice singing very softly somewhere among the leaves. <laughs> the singing was very frail, almost in per- The singing was very frail, almost imperceivable, as though it came out of the air. It came and went fitfully, like the elusive fragrance of sweetbriar, as though a girl was walking to and fro, dreamily humming to herself in the still afternoon. Yet there was no one to be seen. The orchard had never seemed more lonely, and another fact that struck me as strange was that the words that floated to me out of the aerial music were French. (laughs) Here we go. Half sad, half gay. (laughs) So, so like our writer, half sad and half gay. There you go. Half sad, half gay snatches on some long dead... <laughs> half gay snatches. <laughs> that's like the... Isn't, I think that's a commercial for Mark Fisher Fitness. <laughs> half gay snatches, come get snatched. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, they would agree with me. <laughs> uh. If you're listening and you're a Mark Fisher person, you know... Uh, Half gay snatches of some long dead singer of old France. I looked about for the origin of the sweet sounds, but in vain. Could it be the birds that were singing in French in this strange orchard? Yep. Presently, a voice seemed to come quite close to me, so near that it might have been the voice of a dryad. Yes. Uh, dryads are, I believe dryads are spirits of trees and naiads oh. are spirits of rivers, but I could have that reversed. However, uh-huh. based on the setting, that makes more sense. Because he's in an orchard. Dryad, yeah. yep. Yeah, so I think it, naiads and dryads are rivers and trees. Sweet. The voice, it seemed to have been the voice of a dryad singing to me out of the tree against which I was leaning. I love being right. I love it too. <laughs> and this time I distinctly caught the words of the sad little song. Thank you. And everything goes to hell. <laughs> Shante, Rosignal, Shante, Toiki, Alakurgi. Tu as le clear I made it rhyme. Yeah, great. There was something about a corgi in there that made me happy. <laughs> something of the corgi. I'm not sure what it was. They're talking about corgi butts and so now they're so cute. Yeah. But through the voice <laughs> But though the voice was at my shoulder, I could see no one. And then the singing stopped with what sounded like a sob. And at a moment or two later, I seemed to hear a sound of a sobbing far down the orchard. Then there followed silence, and I was left to ponder on the strange occurrence. Naturally, I decided it was just a daydream between sleeping and waking over the pages of an old book. Yet, when next day, and the day after that, the invisible singer was in the orchard again, I could not be satisfied with such a mere matter-of-fact explanation. (laughs) A la Clairefontaine, went the voice to and fro through the thick orchard boughs. Mien à la première, j'en trouvais en si belle que j'y me suis bongé. I'm pretty sure it's the first time I've had to improvise a song in French. <laughs> the improvising the song this. I kind of have fun with, but I'm improvising a song in a language I cannot speak nor do a dialect this is, of. This is, this is, this is what Campfire Classics is all about. This is the high quality committed improv that people come back for week after week. We got two more lines. We got two more lines. This, this song is going to be blasted all over the internet. Is it going to be the cover page of Campfire Classics website? Of Watch out, Lady Arts Gaga. Here that. comes Heather Michelle Lawler and her French melodies. New viral YouTube video. Louis la tombe que j'attends. Ooh, the time. 
Is it je, je t'aime? is I love you. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it was certainly uncanny to hear that voice going to and fro the orchard. There, somewhere amid the bright, sun-dazzled boughs, not a human creature to be seen, not another house even within a half mile. The most materialistic mind could hardly but conclude that here was something not dreamed of in our philosophy. <laughs> sure, why not? Why not just slide in some Shakespeare? I mean, you gotta, like, throw it out there. People will think you're smart if you slide if you in slide Shakespeare. Shakespeare. That's what they say. I heard Shakespeare slid it in a lot of people, but... <laughs> That's the rumors, at least. I don't know. I don't know. If you slide in a little Shakespeare, <laughs> and he was sliding in his little Shakespeare. And he was sliding in his little Shakespeare. His little Willie. Little Willie! <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Oh, God. Uh, oh, hire God, me Shakespeare so companies stupid. that were very, 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 very uh, educated. <laughs> I swear I take Shakespeare seriously. Super seriously. This is a literature podcast. Pull your shit together. Get your shit together! <laughs> Don't offend the master. The master? Oh, Wow, so this really is a BDSM podcast. <laughs> Shakespeare, I'm going to make him my bitch. <laughs> uh, I'm going to make him my daddy. Daddy. <laughs> daddy shakes. Daddy Shakespeare. It seemed to me that the only reasonable explanation was the entirely irrational one. That my orchard was haunted. <laughs> that I mean, oh, I, we're that, just getting there. I think we've just gotten there. Haunted by some beautiful young spirit with some sorrow of lost joy that would not let her sleep quietly in her grave. The next day, I had a curious confirmation of my theory. Oh, good. Once more, I was lying under my favorite apple tree, half reading and half watching the sound, lulled into a dream by the weir of insects and the spices called up from the earth by the hot sun. As I bent over the page, I suddenly had the startling impression that someone was leaning over my shoulder and reading with me, and that a girl's long hair was falling over me down to the page. The book was the, Ronz the Ronzard I had found in the little bedroom. I turned... But again, there was nothing there. Yet this time, I knew that I had not been dreaming. And I cried out, Poor child, tell me your grief that I may help your sorrowing heart to rest. <laughs> I love that he just, like, screamed out to this, like, ghost. Not like, can I help you? Or just like, are you there? No. Let me save your soul. <laughs> very, very intense. That's intense. But of course there was no answer. Yet that night, I dreamed a strange dream. Of time gone by. <laughs> I thought I was in the orchard again in the afternoon and once again heard the strange singing. But this time, as I looked up, the singer was no longer visible. Hmm, that's not right. The singer was no longer invisible, <laughs> is what we were going for. <laughs> Coming toward me was a young girl with wonderful blue eyes filled with tears and gold hair that fell to her waist. She wore a straight white robe that might have been a shroud or a bridal dress. She appeared not seen to me, though she came directly to the tree where I was sitting. And there she knelt and buried her face in the grass and sobbed as if her heart would break. Her long hair fell over her like a mantle, and in my dream, I stroked it pityingly. <laughs> her long hair fell over her like a mantle, and in my dream, I stroked it pityingly. Stroked her hair. I stroked her hair, I know. I knew that the first time. But I, I was reiterating for our listeners who have dirty, dirty minds. Dirty, dirty, filthy minds, because you're our people. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't be dirty. Don't be dirty. I stroked it pityingly and murmured words of comfort for a sorrow I did not understand. Then I woke suddenly as one does from dreams. The moon was shining bright into the room. Rising from my bed, I looked out into the orchard. It was almost as bright as day. I could plainly see the tree of which I had been dreaming, and then a fantastic notion possessed me. Slipping on my clothes, I went out into one of the old barns and found a spade. Then I went to the tree where I had seen the girl weeping in my dreams and dug down at its foot. Yeah, oh, no. Yeah, that sounds no. like a good plan. Who gets up in the middle of 
I think I'm going to dig up a grave by this tree. <laughs> you know what I haven't done in a long time? Dug up a dead body at midnight. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> I had dug a little more than a foot when my spade struck upon some hard substance. And in a few more moments, I had uncovered and exhumed a small box, which on examination proved to be one of those pretty old-fashioned Chippendale work boxes used by our grandmothers to keep their thimbles and needles in. Yeah, you know how Grandma loves the Chippendales. After smoothing down the little grave in which I had found it, I carried the box into the house and under the lamplight examined its contents. Its, hmm, examined its contents. Then at once I understood why the sad young spirit went to and fro to the orchard singing those little French songs. For the treasure trove I had found under the apple tree, the buried treasure of a unquiet, suffering soul proved to be a number of love letters written mostly in French in a very picturesque hand. Letters, too, written but some five or six years before. Perhaps I should not have read them. Yet, I read them. (laughs) (laughs) I know I shouldn't have read them, but this story wouldn't be very interesting if I I didn't. So, Uh, you know I I wanted the juicy details. You know everyone would have done the same thing. Perhaps I should not have read them. Yet, I read them. With oh, such... please tell me the next, the letter is written in French in full below. Um, I'm not scrolling down that far, but <laughs> I fucking hope not. <laughs> uh, perhaps I should not have read them. Yet, I read them with such reverence for the beautiful, impassioned love that animated them and literally made them smell sweet and blossom in the dust that I felt I had the sanction of the dead to make myself the confidant of their story. Among the letters were little songs, two of which I have heard I had heard the strange young woman voicing in the orchard, and of course there were many withered flowers and such like remembrances of bygone rapture. Not that night could I make out all the story, though it was not difficult to define its essential tragedy. And later, on a gossip in the neighborhood and a headstone in the churchyard told me the rest. The unquiet young soul that had sung so wistfully to and fro the orchard was my landlord's daughter. Oh, that's why they didn't want to leave. Yeah. She was the only child of her parents, a beautiful, willful girl, exotically unlike those from whom she had sprung and among whom she lived with a disdain air of exile. She was, as a child, a little creature of fairy fancies, and as she grew up, it was plain to her father and mother that she had come from another world than theirs. Black sheep of the family. Yep. To them, she seemed like a child in an old fairy tale strangely found on his hearth by some shepherd as he returns from the fields at evening. A little fairy girl swaddled in fine linen and dowered with a mysterious bag of gold. Soon she developed delicate spiritual needs to which her simple parents were strangers. From long truancies in the woods, she would come home laden with mysterious flowers, and soon she came to ask for books and pictures and music, of which the poor souls that had given her birth had never heard. Finally, she had her way and went to study at a certain fashionable college. And there, the brief romance of her life began. There she met a romantic young Frenchman who had read Rosanne to her and written her those picturesque letters I had found in the old mahogany workbox. And after a while, the young Frenchman had gone back to France and the letters had ceased. Fucking Frenchman! Breaking little, like, country girls' hearts! Uh, That's why you don't trust Europeans, man. Month by month went by, and at length one day she sat wistful in the window looking out at the foolish sunlit road. A message came. He was dead. Oh, no. That's why I didn't write. Okay, I take everything back. (laughs) Sorry, Frenchman. Uh, (laughs) Probably died fighting in the war. Good job. Good for you. That headstone in the village churchyard tells the rest. She was very young to die, scarcely 19 years. 
and the dead who have died young, with all their hopes and dreams still like unfolded buds within their hearts, do not rest so quietly in the grave as those who have gone through the long day of mourning until evening and are only too glad to sleep. Next day, I took the little box to a quiet corner of the orchard and made a little pyre of fragrant boughs. For so I interpreted the wish of that young, unquiet spirit, and the beautiful words are now safe, taken up again into the aerial spaces from which they came. But since then, the birds sing no more little French songs in my old orchard. The end. Aww. That was actually very sad. That was a very sad story. Very sweet. Like this, like man, this New York guy who just wanted to get away, like, like help this young lady, like go to rest. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually a little teary. A little melancholy. That's very sweet. Oh, what was he reading? Uh, something of the melancholy. Oh, anatomy of 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 the anatomy of melancholy. Yeah. That was lovely. Good job, Richard Le Gallienne. Le Gallienne. Very well done. And uh, thanks for the French. Yeah. (laughs) Heard heard a lot of his Oscar Wilde influences in there. Oh, yeah. Like, his language choice was. Within the first paragraph, I was like, hello, poetry. Like, this, just the way he describes spring and, you know, the changing of the seasons. And I was like, yeah, he, he has definitely hung out with some romantic poets. Yep. (laughs) Very much so. That was lovely. It wasn't like boo boo scary. It was like no. It was. It was like it was just this like beautiful tale of a little creepy loss. turned romantic and wistful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, like that's why you don't fall for Frenchmen. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're always going around loving you and then dying. Notice how she never. They never said how she died. I'm guessing a suicide yeah. or something along died those lines. Died of a broken lines. heart. Broken heart. Like you know. Yeah. That kind of situation, but they never said how he died either. So I guess you know, um, though one can assume. Well, it's 1912 when that came out. Yeah, I mean there there was fighting going on all over the place, but he also could have just been you know run over by a bull in a tutu in a flower field. (laughs) Named Ferdinand. Named Fernando. Fernando. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We lose so many good people gored by bulls in tutus. It's true. It's just, it's really... There really should be something done about it. I mean... It's it's an epidemic. We need to talk about this. Like, it's it frustrates me that you don't hear more about it on the news. I mean, I walk around the ship, like, daily being afraid I'm going to run into a bull with a tutu running down the hallway. And the hallways are very narrow, so, like... Oh, there's no no getting away from them. No. (laughs) If you see a bull coming at you down this hall, like, all you can do is turn around and run the other way. But the bull's faster than you. It's very true. Plus, if he's wearing a tutu, like, that's a ballet dancer bull. Yeah, they they can kick their faces. Fucker's got leaps. <laughs> he can he can jump. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm meshing the image of that with the Fantasia hippos, <laughs> which are also wearing tutus. Which is also wearing tutus. And doing ballet. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> now I have a weird morph, morphed image of what this, this thing looks like, but... Yeah. Yeah, but that was fun. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, that was a I good one. I haven't a story in a long time. I know. I did pretty good. Uh-huh. I, my mouth worked pretty well. Yeah, yeah. You, you brushed that dust right off. Got in there. It helped that I just did a show, so I'm warmed Your up articulators and articulate. Are all They're all awake, whereas sometimes we used to record at like nine in the morning, and I'm like, I haven't had my coffee yet. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, what'd you think of that story, listener? Did, yeah. did you enjoy it as much as we did? Had um, you heard of this writer before? Did yeah, I'd never even heard I, of him before. No. He was a new one on mm-hmm. me. Um, yeah. Until doing that research. Yeah, that was lovely. Yeah. A little pl- playboy of the Western world moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, please let us know what you thought of that. You can shoot us an email at 5050artsproduction at gmail.com or message us on any of those social media platforms. We're up as Campfire Classics on um, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all of those things. 
Uh, let us know what you thought of that story. Let us know if you have any particular requests. Um, let us know if you can define any of those terms that we ran across during this episode and couldn't look up because internet doesn't exist here. Let us know if you could tell any of the French words I said and what they meant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, ooh. so here's a fun game. Can you put the French we used into Google Translate? God. And see if it even recognizes it as language. <laughs> I doubt it. Other than uh, 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 je t'aime. Je t'aime. I got je t'aime. Yep. I, I, I was like, ooh, I know this one. And then and I got, didn't actually really know what it was, but I knew what it was. And, and you got a la corgi. A la corgi. <laughs> yes. There love, was definitely a G somewhere in Love that, of and, the corgi. Uh, I and uh, C and some yep. other letters. <laughs> uh, so let us know all of that. And while you are writing in, please include either in the subject or the body of the message you send our secret passcode of the week. It will just let us know that you got this far. And this week's secret passcode is Phallic Billy Club. Phallic Billy Club. <laughs> <laughs> Because grandma's dirty. Grandma's a naughty, naughty minx. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, this has been thoroughly idiotic. Well, uh, if I remember correctly, I mean, it's been a few months, but it usually is. It usually yeah. is, okay. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, thoroughly idiotic is what we go for. It's like what our, our MO is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh... I think that's it for me. Do you have any parting thoughts before this one wraps up? I mean, up? I'll be off the ship in about a month. Uh, Ken has uh, a couple things lined up for the summer, possibly. But yeah. we will, if we're both on land, it's much easier to record remotely. Oh, because, yeah. Because uh, I have access to internet. So one, I have uh, from the day Ken gets off, I have four weeks, actually less. No, exactly four weeks. Yeah. Actually... I get off May 22nd. We're recording this on May on April 22nd because so you're it's exactly birthday. one month. One month out, bitches. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, the next couple of episodes, unless you magically stumble upon some internet, will likely be back to the guest host routine. But then starting in June, you can get used to Heather's voice being Hi. back on the airlines. I missed everybody. Air airlines, write, airwaves. Write in some emails and say hi because I missed everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all. All right. Uh, well, on that merry little note, thank you so much for tuning in. And this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. I do know a French song. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi? Ce soir. Uh, uh. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi? Oh, yes. Yes.